0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn. And you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha.
1: Greetings. This is Quantum Leap Book Club, and I'm your host this week. And uh, my co host will be Steve Jones. Uh, from our kingman arizona and then we have uh definitely mary ann love from uh, sydney uh, well you're from melbourne australia we got alloway that's from sydney australia and we've got uh trina cooper on this week from denver colorado so the co-host and i will actually be covering the book a couple of the chapters out of the book dying to be me by anita morjani Uh, We've had a great look at what uh, we've seen and read in the book. And for a lot of of my co-hosts, we've actually seen reports from people who listen to our programs as well as ourselves of how some of the sharings that she's done has helped people turn corners in their life. So as we move forward with her experience with death and how she actually has taken that experience into living her life in a completely fuller way. OK, and so as we begin to work through that, we're going to start out this week with chapter 13 and try to get over to maybe 14 and 15, but basically covering the chapter itself. Now, I really I've been uh, listening to with friends a couple of her particular videos on. Uh, what is what is that that we're YouTube? OK, so on YouTube, she's actually sharing some of her experiences personally. And she has a lot of good stuff on it. The the one that we listened to over the past week was one on her particular perspective of uh, the law of attraction. And uh, one of the things that she made very clear from the beginning, which is something I respect very much, that she was covering that many people think because she's had her uh, near-death experience, or in her case, she did have a death experience, not near-death, okay? She was brought back. And that that doesn't mean that she has the answers for everything in every situation in life. And that some of the questions people ask her, she's really only able to give her upper mind or her own personal reflection on something and not definitely speaking for the whole of what we may see as the greater intelligence or the higher self or whatever i really appreciated that she brought that up before she even started talking about it and the particular question that we were looking at is that she was asked about the law of attraction and uh, i totally disagreed with a lot of what she said in as much as i believe that what what she answered She was answering from a place where someone had actually given her a circumstance that we didn't know about while she was expressing her view of it, because in it, she was very much opposed to people actually dealing with things like when we come, like what a lot of us do to examine ourselves, to live to the ideal of what we want to be. And the things we have to change but the confrontation in that of actually looking at what it is we want to change uh, anita had a view of that that she felt that that was harmful or not necessarily a positive and so it went on so if you've got access to youtube it would be good for you to listen to that i believe that when we're talking about the law of attraction which is actually the radio network of which we're broadcasting from is that you have to be real clear with the fact that self-love and learning to respect and see the greater of yourself is at the core and the seed of everything we do. Law of attraction simply says something that is scientifically proven, and that's the magnetics of what we do. And that when we actually put something in the field, we're putting out the electromagnetic response to that that will come back on us, okay? In uh, what I know as the Aboriginal Medicines of Australia, that's the boomerang medicines to where what you send out turns itself at some point of its own decision, by the way, and comes back. And so whenever we put something out, we are going to get what is coming back. So that's cause effect or what we want to call exchange. And so with that, I felt that she didn't quite... I don't feel supported that in what she said. So I I, like I'm saying you don't at this point and I'm getting things from other people who are saying that you don't quite accept some things that's being said. I I, none of us, not myself, nor my co-hosts are trying to convince you of anything. We are trying to encourage you to pursue your own interests and to find your answers that we are doing okay and so that what we share are generally our reflections on on what we've read so that when we give you the review of what the chapter is covering at the same time we're letting you know that our particular review of that chapter is what stood out to us what made what made impact on us and it doesn't have to be that we're saying we agreed Okay. We can actually be pointing out something that gives us a challenge that we look at from a different way or that we aren't really quite clear. Or in some cases, especially what Anita shares here, I have people who are saying they can't accept what's being said here. I'm okay with that. We're okay with that. We want you to know that we're putting it out, it's out there to look at, simply putting in something new for you to think about. And then at whatever point of comfort and the, whatever good and whatever blessing of it can be for you, that would be our sole desire. OK, so we're actually going to start with Chapter 13 this week, and it's finding my path. And in this chapter, my co-hosts will be sharing with you their particular impression of what she actually sees is her life now, how how this experience has changed the way she lives and has her being now. And some of the reflections on how she's doing that is where I'm finding people who have read the book coming back and saying that they see things different. Okay. And some people have said they've had their own near-death experiences and that they see things pretty much the same, but different. That's okay too. So we're saying yes to anything and everything that you particularly find of your own interest and opinion, okay? So we're going to start this week with Steve Jones. And Steve, uh, what did you get out of 13?
2: Well, I got uh, a lot of great stuff. Um, So it's called Finding My Path. And one of the first things that she describes is that she wasn't afraid of anything anymore. That, you know, after you die, there's not much to be scared of. So she could really throw herself, she wasn't you know, intimidated by different social cir- circles or different people or circumstances. She just kind of threw herself into what she was doing. And one of the first things that she did was to look at, go through her beliefs and reevaluate all her individual beliefs to see, because she's changed so much, she had to see if they were still true to her now that she'd experienced you know, the near-death experience. So, And so she went through it and looked at her actions, looked at her beliefs and determined if that's something she wanted to continue with. And she knew that what she realized is that we're always spiritual, like during our life, uh, sometimes we think we need to go and get something or become something, but that we already have what we need. We already are what we need. We don't have to get anything. We don't have to really become anything. We already have it. And one of the things in in, in seeing that she was uh, she already had what she needed is that when she wanted guidance before she would go out you know to the outside world and look for advice or look for what she should do and she changed that after the experience to uh, to a place where she would just center herself she she depended on her inside guidance rather than going out and, and looking for outside guidance. So she would center herself, go inside and become, and get to know, as she describes it, as she's the center of her universe. Um, and in in focusing on that, she would come to clarity on, on different things that she had questions about. Uh, and one of the things that she that she felt that her soul told her was to go out and live your life fearlessly. And in doing that, she, she was kind of um, you know, she wanted, she felt she needed to give her uh, story out publicly. And at the same time she was drawing back because she didn't relate to the people in her life anymore in the same way. And actually the, the amount of friends and, and circle of friends, kind of shrunk because she there's only few people that she really related to some of the people that had her her immediate family and people who had experiences like hers with the near-death experiences and um what she focused on was was how it was important to uh to focus on the things uh that were that were that she resonated to now basically that was her seeing what she believed and what she didn't believe is there's some things that she, since she didn't believe them anymore, she wasn't going to give them any more time. And I think it, it, in, it gives us, I guess you could say like a guide to, to be able to live with that perspective, you know, before we die while we're still alive so that, we can look at her and how she reevaluated re- and refocused her life and in we don't have to get to that point but we can do those things now to become you know have the same awareness that that she had after her experience so I think it's uh I think it's good to look at the different things she do she's did and uh see how we can do that in our lives
1: Yeah. One of the things that I was impressed with, with what she says. Okay. And I feel this chapter actually deals with the particular video that I'm speaking of and watched. Okay. Once I reviewed this again for the show today, I realized pretty much where she was coming from with what was in the video. Okay. And then one of the things here that she makes... Uh, On the video, some of the things that she would say that she is uh, approving of or believing people should do is when we make changes that we have to look at ourselves and say that this is a negative. Well, if that's the way you're doing it, I would agree that's not the way I do it. Okay, I look at it and see what is it that I could be live better and have as, as something better in my life. So I don't make it a negative. So that still would be a choice we would make. And in this respect, she decided that one of the choices she made is she would never ever work again for just money, that she would, that anything she does, she has to do because of her love of it or creativity or whatever else. And I think that that is really powerful. And I don't think you have to have a near death experience to actually begin to look at that because if if you have to understand how much of your day, the 24 hours you have of a day, and how much are you putting in, uh, in you know, in, into work that you're doing that only rewards you with the money? Now, no, I don't want to have a lot of people coming back me about this. I am not saying that you might have to at some period of your time, or maybe under whatever conditions you are that you're working to where you don't feel your creativity or your you're not being artistic or whatever you want to do. Okay. But I'm saying, please make choices and agree with her that you get a job that actually gives you some kind of renewal, not just the money. The money is important. I'm not making that unimportant. OK. And for, for people who have dire straits right now, they're going through and would take any work they could get just to have the exchange to be able to have the financial security. You have my full support. This is not what I'm saying here. But I agree with her that when we love ourselves enough and we start looking to live, okay, with that love and to let, let the time that we put into anything be rewarding to us in as much as the happiness that we have with it. So, yes, loving loving ourselves to me equates to happiness. So if I'm not happy with what I'm doing for eight hours of my precious day. And all that I actually can say gives me that is the paycheck at the end of the week. I would definitely agree with her and what she's saying here to actually look to something that would be more rewarding of the time that you're putting into it, as well as the outcome being whatever financial return we get on it. So, yeah, that is definitely one of the particular points. And she also talks to us about the social circle that she's in. So I'm sure some of our co-hosts will actually look at that too, and how you know what we're saying and sharing with you, our listeners, is how do we see that, and 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 if and any of that applies to what we're looking at, okay, and how how we're looking to do it. So definitely looking to make a better of that. Give me a minute here. Okay, very good. All right, now we're going to go. With, Steve, thank you for that. We're going to go to Trina in Denver, Colorado. Trina, what did you get out of 13?
3: Yeah. Hi, this is Trina. And 13 for me, finding my path. I think we hear a lot of people say, I'm trying to find my path. I'm trying to find my purpose. Well, for her, this came out and she says at the very end of the chapter, allowing and being herself. And I can imagine the way she describes it in here about how everything was so different for her. And she didn't relate to so many things after having this experience. It really made her go back and reflect on these new ideas that she had, or these new knowingnesses that she had, and that she had to evaluate them from where she had been to what she, what served her now. And that was important to her. And she also realized that her husband had changed a lot as he went through this experience. And so they had to work in the relationship to find a good balance where You know, they both came out of it believing that life is just too valuable. So let's find what it is that we want to do. And let's make the changes we need to make because this was important. So I thought that was really um, pretty cool. And then she goes on to say um, she talks a lot about living her life fearlessly. So we hear in this story from her that that is a profound a profound message that she came back with was to go back and live her life fearlessly. I think that's an awesome an awesome thing for all of us to look at. It's like, how often do we jump back into fear and we don't do things because of that? And then out of the NDE, um, she realized that she had to live from the inside out, not from the outside in. There was no place for victims, no place for external control everything had to come from inside from this magnificent being that she now recognized herself to be. So the one, one piece I really loved was about the tapestry and how she talks about that, that her, that nothing for her exists unless it's in her tapestry and that each person, each experience, each thing is like a thread that's woven into the tapestry and as more is added, it changes. So, um, She actually says nothing exists for me until it's brought into my tapestry. So it's like shining that flashlight again for her on the different experiences. And she gave up judging herself and making herself a victim and being submissive and really began to shine as herself. But as shining for herself, since she used to think she had a direction and now she felt directionless. On page 115, she talks about that. Um, She said she really needed to just kind of fall back on who she sees herself as now and allow things to unfold in front of her, which is a totally different way of living your life if you're used to living controlling. And then also one other thing that I really loved was the way she described herself as being um, when she wasn't centered when she didn't go inside and get very quiet in herself, that things always seemed like they were molasses. When she really came from the inside out, then things seemed to flow. And there was like a flow of everything that she did, things seemed easy. But when she was outside trying to control and allowing the external forces, she said things just felt like molasses. They went so slow, there were challenges, there were struggles. So just like any of us that have a profound experience, we have to really take a look at how has that changed us? And what do we need to do ourselves in order to make this new realization fit in our lives? And how do we want to live? And how can we live fearlessly? So that's what I pulled out of the chapter. And um, I love the little
1: nuggets she gave us in this one. This is good. This is good. And and uh, for you, like myself, being in a relationship and a marriage and stuff, it's very easy to relate to her situation of having to deal now coming back and seeing things from a different perspective. And for our readers and what we're giving you on one chapter out of this book right now, we're still suggesting that you read the book because the, the whole first part, I would say at least half of the book is all about what she what her life was before the death experience okay and obviously living under a lot of frustrating situations where change and locational environmental changes were there so it wasn't like she really had an apple pie kind of life before the death okay so when she's coming to the realization of what death has given her I actually know that a lot of you, a lot of people I know over the 60-something years I've been working and teaching with spirituality, Native Perspective on Spirituality, a lot of you are already more than two feet into what she's sharing here and what she's actually come to see as her afterlife, okay, after death life, all right? So- Some of this, like I said, is already something you have actually encountered in your pursuit of bettering yourself and wanting to have your more natural or what we would consider the real self uh, experience of being who you really are. Okay, so the, the particular relationship things we can identify with, because in a marriage, each each person being individual. And her husband going through this whole trauma with her. And actually in the book, she shows how he was relentless at not letting the doctors give up on her. So obviously he had a lot of emotional investment in her survival. And in doing that, that's going to have its change on her. How how having all this come to be a different experience than actually having to bury her or cremate her definitely is going to make a difference okay so i i would really wish that she would give us more on what she did with that but any of you any of us that are on the spiritual path and maybe our other side or our partner isn't quite as devoted to it as we are you understand the challenges that can be and that they may have again as i'm sure he did a different totally perspective of something that is actually important to us in this way that wouldn't be the same. So there's a lot of relationship change there that I feel she didn't give me as much as I'd have liked to have seen in it. So that would be something that we would look at and we would look at and see in our own life, especially Trina with all the work you're doing and how you coordinate that with everything you do as far as an entrepreneur and a teacher. Yeah, you know I mean? So we look we there's a lot of things like I said that those of you who have been working with this for a long time you can identify a lot more with the newer path that she feels she's on because you identify with that without the death experience okay and we're gonna go now we'll have Ellaway. you want to share yours on 13.
0: Absolutely I think that was really interesting too what you were just talking about because that was one of my reflections based on this one, and as it said, it opens with the part about she's feeling there's a challenge, a challenge to go back, challenge with the friends, challenge of finding things, I'll use the word boring, mundane. Here anyway, we just sit there and go, really, why is it so important of whatever it was, you know, the kitchen remodel or the report that's not in or, you know, and I could hear myself going, oh, and the reason I hear it is because I'm looking at myself you know what conversations am I having when I write my to-do list the night before what have I put on it and I just looked and went oh you're still putting mundane things on your list not to make them wrong or bad but it really sparked that question of what's the catalyst without dying what's the catalyst from choosing to put the mundane on the list, mundane just meaning ordinary, not making it wrong. I looked up the definition of mundane. It means an ordinary thing. Um, What makes that change that on the to-do list of the next day or the to-be list, you're putting more of the future view that you're wanting and less of the mundane self? Because as she's saying, she knows now that she's divine. That's really clear. So... When I was thinking of my list, how do I write a list as a person who's divine? How different is that list? And the next part was, uh, Trina mentioned this one as well, so it stood out, nothing exists unless I bring it into my tapestry. So I'm interested too in what you were saying earlier about the um, you know downward causation and the, the quantum creation and manifesting because she's already saying here, it doesn't exist unless I bring it into my my tapestry and the next line was around it's my choice what I say and I know in terms of relationships that's been a massive part to me you know previously of of coming out of a, a 19 year marriage years ago like eight years ago now but looking when I feel triggered by something instead of saying that person or that thing did that to me, the mirror is, what is it in that person that I'm feeling annoyed at because it's still here in me? And that's that then means there's no blame and there's no outside, which is what she also does here. But the choice of what to observe, someone can do something to you. So I think you could be in a relationship, whether it's a work relationship, as a parent, whatever. You don't have to have people around you behaving or being in a way that you want them to. You have to have your own reactions to people managed to the point that you can walk through irrespective of what's going on around. And I was brought up um, Catholic and Christian and I think one one of the things that stood out that was a real positive there is there's a poem and I don't even know if it's a, I'm sure it's probably not a Catholic poem, but we were given it at that time where, if you can walk through, you know, a madness without losing your head, if you can walk through a, a sad place and still you know, have empathy but still hold a happiness there, that was one of those things that I've really heard again when I read her bit. It's a choice about what we observe. The chapter then goes on to um, another question, page 114. Why do I believe this? And I think that's really key. To ask anything, I know with uh, with you, grandmother Parasha, we've we've looked at our own bring things to the front. If it's really normal to me, or if I feel a bit icky in that day, why? What's behind it? And again, I think that's a key part of starting to feel uh, contentment and knowingness of connection is when you unpack this. And sometimes you've got to do the unpacking to be able to put. It. To be able to have a neat wardrobe, there's a point where everything's out of the cupboard and on the bed and it looks like chaos. So this is a message to don't be afraid of the chaos while we are reorganising. Um, and the chapter moves to towards a conclusion then, and I always recall what, what you've taught us as well, that we have a unique fingerprint. So that's us. And in this chapter it says that when she does come to the inside, if the outside's not great, come inside. Coming to the inside, she, yes, says, I realise the oneness, but also that everyone is a perspective of the oneness. So it's not like we all meld into jello and we're the same thing. We're a perspective of the oneness. And that to me is, as you've always said, you know, our fingerprint is unique. So to know in ourselves that it's okay, don't be afraid of oneness. This is me telling myself (laughs) because it doesn't mean I disappear the eye of the eye that I am, the eye that I think I I am, the eye that I want to grasp and not let go, whatever that might be. Because it still says I'm a perspective of the oneness and I'm a unique perspective. So be my unique perspective. And that's where she really wraps up with this chapter. It works when she stays true to herself. True to herself doesn't mean pushing others away. It means being true in her own beingness because then she can be anything anywhere at any time and not be affected. she stays in cause of choice
1: here is a real good coverage on the chapter two i actually had i uh, was kind of hanging around that particular page when i was reading it on why do i believe this and definitely the point you made is that you it does it's healthy for all of us to ask that I mean, as many years as I've been doing this, I still ask myself that when I see that I have taken on a particular position or opinion of something, I actually will do it. And I think Brian Katie does a real good workshop on that. Ask, you know, why do I believe this? Where, Where is this coming from with me? You know, and look into my own individual perspective, not being the only perspective, okay? And working with that, it works real good. I find with this, that when we really begin to study the deep level of spiritual science and things that that definitely you, my co-hosts, are doing and the kind of togetherness that we share, you have already dealt to some level and degree that as you as each one of your days are complete, that you are closer to the final time of your life. So you realize you're burning time and that you have so much time. And so what i've begun to see some years back working with this and especially now in my particular winters of my 82 i have had five death experiences two where i have had to be resuscitated brought back and three actually getting to that point and getting back faster so to, i don't believe that has ever had as much effect as what it has had on her life because I had already had, as I think many of our listeners may be experiencing, already have had enough experience with my pursuits to actually know that we have a particular expiring timeline and that whilst we are saying we're afraid of death or people, and I do agree, a lot of people are impaired because they're they're totally afraid of death. I think what I like about what Anita shared is how real consciousness is and consciousness is what stays even after the body stops so once you get yourself to a level of being consciously conscious you're already experiencing what you're going to experience when you no longer deal with the body p- perspectives okay and when you do that by actually living each day as the probability of it being all of your life and not looking that you got time to change. No, you do it now. Okay. And looking at that, that many people have already dealt with the fact that, that death is not the fear that chases them. And uh, I like how looking at that helps when she asked the question, why do I believe? Many of you, the many of you listening that are already well-practiced in that you you confront yourself on a daily basis allowing yourself to take on these particular perspectives so again i encourage you i like hearing from you so keep calling in and letting us know how you're feeling about all of that i'm going to go over to marianne love who is in melbourne australia marianne what did you do and what do you see in 13
4: hello i see a whole lot in 13 um she's um it to me it's like she came back from this as a bit of an alien on the planet, like she came back with a whole different perspective on reality and then from that place had to unravel and and observe maybe observe is the right word observe everything that was every way that her brain thought, everything that she experienced, and she had to integrate it all and and find out what her new place in reality was after doing that, and I can imagine that was somehow challenging for her like she had to look and see that like you look at the planet it must have been painful to come back from a place of love and then look around and just see that people um how much people sell themselves out for money like trying to survive and taking life so seriously and neglecting themselves in that like neglecting what could be just a beautiful loving experience of life um for for the beliefs and the pressures and the fears that we've adopted. So, um, and I hear in what she's written that she she had to sit back and still observe it. It's not that she went into the place of love and then suddenly everything was just dandy. She had to still come back and do the work. She had to unravel the thoughts. She had to make massive changes. Like in everything I've ever read about healing and evolution, evolving and growing, you have to make massive changes if you keep doing the same thing you get the same outcome and so she sold up she moved out of like what to me I've understood it as like a more prestigious area of town she moved to a little village so she didn't have to worry about finances so that they could actually embark on a new life like Danny could get the leave the big job and start his own business which was developing career assessments for students like she encouraged him to live his dream. Before that, she wouldn't have. They would have been much more fear-based decisions. But, you know, making the changes, like um, she withdrew from a lot of friends because they were still caught up in old thinking patterns that she just didn't identify with anymore. And, um, you know, she really understood that we are love, like love is our core, like we're, we are all magnificent. And that if we could only just live from that place, then we could experience a whole new reality and I think what really stood out for me on page 115 is that she shares about trusting the inner guidance and that if she is happy then the universe is happy um so it's sort of like well then happiness is simply the goal we don't have to over complicate it it's like what brings joy what brings happiness and then happiness love shines back to us like our our whole intention here is to be happy so and she found places like going to the ocean really helped her get back in touch with what she'd experienced as the connectedness in the near-death experience. And I'm sure all of us have our own, a different place for that, um, where we can find that, and we all have a different place where we find happiness. So, um, yeah, powerful chapter, lots to take home.
1: Yes, very much so. And the, the fact that that she one of the points you've made that I feel is real important for our listeners to pick up on here. Okay. In the, before her experience, she was very motivated to, to have, she was very ambitious and she wanted prestige and she was, you know, was trying to have live a particular lifestyle that challenged her income levels and everything else. And after this actually looking and seeing that, that wasn't the happiness or that that had no actual real payback in in any way to fulfillment okay and that like you said here what you're covering on the chapter is how what she did is they reevaluated what their income level their living status could be and actually started living within the means of what they could have and and actually living without money being the motivator so again facing a very practical thing that people have to work through in spiritual awareness to be she definitely speaks in a couple of her other uh YouTube things on the people over people over ambitious and but definitely deals with if money is your motivator you need to totally step back and look again and actually be be aware of just what you are saying and what what is it costing so again, this was one of the things knowing she's saying that and then the particular perspective she put on uh, the law of attraction, there was a few contradictions there, okay? Because she does support that you do need to look at yourself and hear what you're thinking and what have you prioritized and is that what's making you happy or is that what's causing the stress? in the? And actually, she sees that stress is what brings on what she encountered as her disease and her illness. So again, living within your means and finding happiness within what you are now, not what you're trying to get, but what you have now and being in the now. All of that was present again. So we'll go back and start with, actually seeing how far we can get here with chapter 14 and here she's saying the healing is not uh, is uh, yeah healing is only the beginning and that would be on what is that 119 page 119 so if you're in your book that would be the chapter that we're actually covering again today and uh, we're going to start with you again steve what do you feel she's what are her points and how do you feel about them in chapter 14 healing is only the beginning
2: well, she she saw that, you know, though she had this experience and she was healed, that was amazing. But in her life, that was really only the beginning of the story because what that experience gave her was the ability to teach from experience and help others with what she learned. So she felt strongly like she needed to tell her story, but also she was adjusting to her new view a new consciousness so she was still kind of holding back and seeing how she fit into into the world again um and she was waiting for the right time to start presenting and and that time came in uh, in dubai when she was able to uh present at a conference there and once she present presented her information she had an experience where she could see the transformation of the people who heard her story and she knew then by seeing what it did to people that that story was to help the planet and not just her so her healing was to help everyone and she realized that you know although she had certain plans she realized she just had to become open to whatever the universe had in store for her so once she, within days of her that realization, she's still in Dubai, and she got an email from from Hey House saying that that she wanted or they wanted to publish her book, and that Wayne Dyer would help, and that's actually exactly who she wanted. She had said beforehand that that's who she wanted to do her uh, her publishing with, but when her friends, you know, instead of going and you know putting effort into it she just said it's going to come when it comes and so she just left it like that and he, her friends were were pushing her to publish and she said no i'm just going to let it let it come so it so it uh it it did come to her exactly the way she wanted and uh so they she started communicating with with Wayne and she called into one of his shows and um got through on the talk line and she turned that show into introducing her and her whole, whole story. Um, she, she shared in this chapter, how, uh, uh, how she can actually connected with Wayne. And there was a lady called Mira who, when she knew Wayne and she knew that one when she heard, it was like a, a, just a timely coincidence. When she heard her story, she, said you know you really need i really need to send this to you right now to read it and so she's she sent Wayne her story and she just knew she was just acting like as as a messenger and that that showed her that it showed um what mira did that w- how we're all just you know working we're all connected and we're all affecting everything that we do and she saw that you know the things that she before had perceived negatively like getting cancer and everything were really there to help her because that was helping her and just people like out of the blue just had just were you know were connecting through the field and being able to you know connect the dots with where they needed to to be on different different parts of the world so she just saw how how um it all works together like that and that's what I got
1: okay uh so basically what what she what she's i think what that this chapter is saying very clearly to us all is things come as you as you just leave yourself open while she had already made the point of being aware that this was what she wanted to do that she wanted to publish a book, and at this point allowing what we call the unknown to actually click in here and make the connections. And that's the way it always happens. That somebody that isn't just something that you directly have to do, like she didn't need to write the letter to the publishers at all or anything. But the one thing, allowing that trust coming someplace in ourselves that if we are aware truly of what our heart song is, meaning what is it that makes us happy and what is it that will make us happy. That's the extent of our work with it. The how it's going to happen is not ours to do. And that message is something I keep finding myself have to remind people of over and over again. You don't have to push. And when you start pushing, you're actually moving against time, not with it. And it's a matter of just be in the feeling of what it is you want and allow the connections to happen. She says that real good in this chapter. It's real, real nice to hear Okay, we're going to go now, and uh, Trina in uh, Denver, you want to give us your perspective on this chapter?
3: Um, So, Anita starts out right at the very beginning of this chapter saying, this chapter is about showing you what she believes is her truth in how this whole book came about. And what I really loved is the fact that she didn't just talk about the flow on her side, which... um, You know, ended up and Steve talked a little bit about it was having the the talk with the friend and getting the message from Wayne Dyer and and then finding out that someone had recommended it to him and things. But she also talks gets the perspective of the other people that uh, actually had this um, urge or this strong feeling that they had to do something they had to share her message. And it went from one person to another person, excuse me, um, until it finally reached Wayne Dyer. And then the energy was just being drawn right to her. And some people might look at this as a miracle or a synchronicity, but she says, this is really how it works all the time. And I think a lot of us, I know me myself, I've had so many instances in my life when I can just sit back and go, wow, how did that happen? How did I just said this the other day that I'm going to do this or I'm going to find this, and all of a sudden it just shows up in my possession or it shows up in an email. And so this story here in this chapter, she's really talking about that flow of this amazingness, this energy attraction that comes in. And she says on page 121, this was another piece that jumped out is that feelings drive our physical reality. So, when we have a thought and it isn't, we don't put much energy into it, it's just kind of like a little desire, a little want, maybe, but a lot doesn't come out. But when we really put our feelings into it, when we have a passion, like she said, that I'm going to write my book and I really think, hey, Hiles would be the best place to, to um, have publish it because they understand this, they have that market. There was energy behind that. And it helped draw everything in and bring it everything to fruition. Also, she said, realizing this flow actually shifted her and inspired her to continue to do more. And she all of a sudden had a realization that before sharing her message was kind of all about herself. But then all of a sudden it shifted. She realized that she was an instrument to move some information through that was gonna help other people and help the planet. So she said she really began to feel guided about what she needed to do. And there was another key on page 127. I allow how much of what I want into my life or not. And I don't. I, I know for a long time in my life, I didn't believe that I was allowing things in. And that I was creating the things that I didn't want. But when my focus was so much on those things that I didn't want, they actually were created. So in this case, she realized that I allow in what I want. And I don't have to allow in things that I don't want. And that was a strong place that she ended up um, coming out of this near-death experience to be love and allow things to flow, detach and trust and really be yourself. So those were some of the things from this chapter that I grabbed.
1: Real good, real good. And like I said, for you and for all of you, my co-hosts and and my beloveds here, uh, you have worked many years in what we've been pursuing and working with me. And so much of this without the death experience, you have already taken yourself through the shadows of yourself so many times, and come up with this, that when when we actually look at what Anita shares here as her awareness now of what life can be, and how de- once you take away the fear of death and you actually understand it's nothing to fear, that it's actually a, a, a releasing and a joy to understand this is what comes to clarity when we have finished with the experience of being the physical body experience okay and that in just beginning to let the other half of the deal like i said knowing what makes you happy and we are actually saying that's knowing what you want well it's a matter of knowing what you want makes you happy and then just focusing on that making sure that you can feel the happiness you say that it is and being clear on that the other part of that, the how, is taken care of by what we can only, in our ignorant, uhness of what words we could put to that, say the unknown helps that. So that that definitely is where I feel everything that's being said here, though we're seeing it through the eyes of someone who has come back from the dead. It is also said in so many ways in all the many other books that we've talked about. So we're going to move on now to Eloy. And what did you get out of
0: that chapter? Well, it starts off really telling us about synchronicities or, or explaining them to say, yay, what's synchronicity? And when you look that up, it's – um, I didn't I didn't write down the exact definition here. I strongly recommend looking things up when you get a word, even a word you think you know. But a synchronicity was something that was happening that was slightly out of the ordinary but made a perfect amount of sense is how how it came about for, for my reading. and She said also in the very beginning, she was really euphoric. She wanted to shout this from the rooftops. And I had this little memory of like when I'm at a a business conference or any of those, anyone who's listening to this call has probably had some time when you've done something and you've gone, yeah, I can take on the world. I can do that and I can do that and I can do that. And it's how do we keep that level going? And I do note that this chapter There's a lot that she's not, um, you know, overtly saying I I felt like this and felt like that. But if you read the whole book, and as we do definitely encourage that, you'll see this dramatic change from the the pre-near-death experience when she shares very openly, very afraid of this, very afraid of that, very um, pulling herself in and making small to not upset people. And now it's like there's euphoria. And, but there's also the lower times, the introspection, how do I fit? But they're quite small. It's like looking at that and quickly bouncing back. So in our own lives, find what fills our cups, what's that resilience, what are the tools? And I know that, um, yeah, in in my own life the other day when noticing something going on for someone that was, yeah, you know, potentially a big impact and then just saying, no, oh, it's okay, I've got my tools, I know what to do largely music for people but music music exercise so whether it's our own selves or the people around you check in what your own tools are as well because that allows you to keep the feelings in a point that you're bringing around more of what you want because it says here on chap on page 121 if you can put a feeling to words it says bring it on is what she says <laughs> and again that's the teaching we've had so often from you that to be able to say to the all that is to create it, to, to to what that is for people, the oneness, to be able to say this is a good day to die. And I know you've shared that with us and I, I say to myself, could I really say that today? Could I say this is a good day to die only in meaning that I've lived it so fully and been an instrument? So when I read her Bring It On, I hear immediately the, the echo back from from you, Grandmother Parisha, of it's a good day to die. I think that's a lot of what this says because if it is, if you know you've lived fully in that day, happiness is, again, something that doesn't necessarily mean you're laughing all the time is what she shares as well. It's doing something that's of service. And I think if ever we're eagerly chasing happiness and not finding it. It's probably because we're focusing on the inflow rather than the outflow. And I hear that too when she said, you know, I wanted to talk, I had to talk, but I kept pulling back. And as Trina mentioned, she found a switch from hear my story, hear my story to, oh, actually I can see something that's helpful to others. And that's a big lesson for me and myself to say say as well, you know, how is what I'm intending to do of usefulness to others? Because that's the key.
1: I, I, I want to go one step further with that because I realize how very serious you all working with me over the years and knowing as I do of you, all of you take that very serious, the service, being of service and actually helping. But understand this. As you become aware as uh, uh, Anita's sharing here, as you find the your truths those those principles of you each 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 of us are a code, like you said before, that fingerprint, our fingerprint is different than any at with uh, all the millions of people on this planet you' there's only one of you, okay, and so there's something there's something of dire importance in that a uniqueness, a a one and an only of that, that in becoming, becoming willing and allowing yourself to make the mistakes and learn from them, not judge them, not make anything negative, just see something that works and doesn't work, and coming to seeing that as you find happiness, the fact that you are smiling, that you are full, your heart is overflowing... You are lifting the consciousness of this planet. You are are affecting Earth herself. As our scientists have proven, our Earth has a consciousness. We are part of her greater consciousness, like every neuron in your beautiful head. Okay. And so, as your neuron fires and fires with the joy of something that you have suddenly encountered or have brought to life in yourself, it affects the, whatever the particular consciousness of the planet is. And that means every form of life, because everything that is is energy, so it is life, is benefited from your happiness, from your well being from your willingness to see beauty in something to to draw to have any part of nature or your day that draws your specific attention to it there's a connection happening there i don't care if it's a little stone on the pathway i don't care if it's a certain shell on the beach i don't care if it's a flower or a certain leaf I don't even care if it's the sunset or part of the moon. Whatever that is that draws you to it, there is a connection being made and you're communicating. And this is what, what she's come to realize, how connected she is to everything. And that this isn't just something that she has because she's experiencing the sensation and the senses of having physical reactions. That this will go with her long after the body is complete. This is the afterlife. You're you're exploring and finding its ability to be part of you now. If you listen to what Anita's sharing. That to relax. To not let money and knowledge and fame and all this other stuff actually define you. If you have something people want, they will find you. I have ha- I have taught millions of people in my life. You don't see my name in the headlines and you don't see me on a billboard and you don't see me in any kind of marquee because see, I live in them. They never forgot what they learned. That's my marquee, the light that turns on in them. So you have to ask yourself if you're seeking happiness to be known What part of yourself have you not discovered? Because it is in the silent moments of when I feel all life around me, that I'm as known as I want to be at any point in time. So when we come to what we're seeing here, when she says that it's actually the whole thing is starting and the the beginning is actually where she's at when the healing, that, that the healing itself awakened her. Please allow yourself to not have to wait for some impactful, horrendous thing to shock you into looking at that. You're already there. And that's the biggest message she gives us. Marianne, you want to kind of bring in your two cents on this chapter now? And we're coming into closing.
4: Oh, I'm loving listening to you, though. Um, but I'm happy to share my cents. <laughs> He's <laughs> away. He's just like, okay. <laughs> Great, just keep going. Um Well, I think the others have shared about the synchronicity and I feel like that's really important. I took that home as well, that she really did just surrender and it's like, well, if it is meant to be, it will be and she doesn't have to force it. And she really had the imagination that Hay House might um, publish it. It's what she wanted. But people had told her, oh, that's never going to happen. You have to really knock on doors. This is going to be really hard. And she just never took that on. And she realised it was when she let go of her fears, like her anxiety about sharing this story, even though she wanted to scream it from the mountaintop, she really felt scared. Um, maybe she hadn't got past all her fear, I'm not sure, but she was concerned about the scrutiny that she would get from screaming this from the mountaintops. And I think when she got to share it, and this was a few years after, like she didn't get pub, Hayhouse House contacted her in 2011 and she had her near-death experience 2006. So this was quite a long time after that she allowed this to all unfold. Yeah, but when she could speak and realise it was more than just for herself, she really dropped a whole lot of concerns and that's like the next day I think a he House contacted her, which was really amazing. <laughs> um, the other thing that stood out to me was Wayne Dyer's passion to really get this information out and I thought what was interesting about that was at the time he did that he actually had leukaemia And the lady that was actually doing some healing on him was Mira. And she sent Anita's story because she wanted Wayne to um, have this information to actually help him in his own healing and his own journey um, to wholeness. And both of them, after Mira did her healing with him, both of them felt that this information did actually assist him and he did recover from the leukemia at that time. So... Um, yeah I just thought that was an interesting segue in that story as well but I think page 127 and 28 hold some really powerful information just about who we are like just that um, you know the universe only gives us what we're ready for for example Um, and you know so as soon as she let go of her fears Hay House contacted her straight away Um, and that you know, we're all connected and we just have to simply trust. And um, that she's her mantra, and I think we could all adopt this was I'm powerful, magnificent, unconditionally loved and loving force. Energy flows through me, surrounds me, and is indistinguished from me. It is who and what I truly am. Trusting in it is trusting in myself.
1: Beautiful, Listen. Beautiful, wonderful. Okay, so basically. We've covered those particular chap- chapters really well. And we will start picking up on the 15 come next uh, next show that we do. And uh, love all of you. Please keep your communications going. And uh, I look forward to actually hearing, even when you say that you have a different opinion, you don't have to come at it like you're challenging. I am very open to anyone's different perspective on everything. And it doesn't make any of us wrong. It makes us all seeing the elephant from another position. That's all. Love you all very much. Have a fantastic week. OCO.
0: Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to loaradionetwork.com forward slash quantum leap. Have a great week.